Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Former Hawkeye from the University of Iowa, doing work for SiriusXM's College Channel and the Big Ten Network. Former NFL uh, lineman Anthony Heron joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. How are you, Anthony? Jody Max, I'm fantastic. The, the football season is officially upon us. All the NFL preseason has been going on. You got the major college game on Miami and Florida. I just finished up my pregame show duties for the Chicago Bears here. So, like your reference, I played the league, played college, cover the league, cover college. So, yeah, we can talk all the football you want. <laughs> yeah, I will go a couple different places with you. First things first, is week zero a good thing? starting even earlier, before universities get into session, before uh, we're uh, through uh, thinking about uh, the National Football League, preseason still with a week to go. I get it. You want to get a jump on the competition, and there is a competition between the NFL and college football. Is it a good thing to have as big a game as Miami-Florida here this week? It does feel odd, doesn't it? I mean, for the last couple of years, there's been the game over in Australia and then maybe one other sort of odd game from like the Mountain West Conference or something. And now week zero just continues to expand where we got more and more games. It feels like every season that are happening here before the full scope of college football really takes off. In week one, you know, later on tonight, we've got Arizona and Hawaii going on. That's going to be, what, 1030 Eastern time that's going to happen. So that's a game that's going to have implications because I think both programs are hoping to compete in their division in their respective conferences. So it does feel weird that this game before all of college football is really off and running. we got week zero happening. It's more and more games happening every season. I don't know if it's too early, especially in a season like this where – Everyone's going to have multiple bye weeks just because of the sort of odd start to to how everyone in the season is going to kick off a bit earlier from a holiday standpoint than what we're accustomed to. And then by the end of the year, everyone's going to have two bye weeks in. Hawaii is a team that's accustomed to having two byes because of their travel difficulties. But I think overall, as long as, you know, everyone's playing their 12 games, and to me, what I would like to see is some continuity in the scheduling as far as the amount of conference games that folks play and those types of things. But I don't think necessarily starting earlier with the fact that, you know, all the, the college programs now have less very limited two-a-days and the schedule in preseason is spread out over the course of really nearly a month for some programs now uh, with the way they do the one-a-day practices. So I don't mind the game starting a bit early. I'm just looking for more continuity with how things get scheduled. Well, we'll have to see the way this shakes out. Uh, Florida's got an early lead, 7-3, but the game is far from being decided. I, I take it it's a much more needed win for Florida than it is for Miami. You go, wait a minute, Joe, what are you talking about? SEC, Florida could just turn around even if they lost this one. If Miami loses this one knowing they don't have Clemson on their schedule and they want to be a team that actually makes a run at a playoff spot, if they lose tonight, their season is severely compromised, is it not? I think Florida loses this one, yeah. There's more pressure on what's happening coming out of Gainesville than there is in, in Miami right now. You know, Manny Diaz in his very first season, while he's been with the program, of course, and Miami is their defensive coordinator, and he made some headlines with what they did in the transfer portal and bringing in a lot of talent. But Florida's a team with legitimate expectations this year. Florida's a team where folks are talking about, hey, can they, you know, if they get a little bit more offense from Felipe Franks this year, quarterback, can they really challenge Georgia 
in the SEC East. And if you make the SEC championship game, of course anything can happen. You don't expect them to beat Alabama or Auburn or LSU, whoever comes out of the SEC West, but there's at least the potential to do that if you get to the SEC championship game. And being a top-10 team, those are the types of expectations that Florida has this year. I'm not sure they're at that point yet. I'm not, you know, as much as I like Felipe Franks, and he's improved every year he's played college football, I'm not sure that he's the answer for what they're really going to need for Florida's passing attack this season. And defensively, they're going to be great throughout the year. I'm not sure right now, though, that they've grown enough offensively to really be able to keep keep pace with what Georgia brings to the table. So I do agree. It's a bigger game tonight for Florida than what it is for Miami because of the expectations of the two programs coming into it. Former Big Ten standout Anthony Heron, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. Um, I'll make a statement, agree or disagree with it. Jim Harbaugh is almost in a no-win position this year. If he captures the Big Ten, gets into a playoff position, people are going to say, well, you had a top-four talent team, and oh, by the way, yeah, you finally won the Big Ten after Urban Meyer left. Uh, The pressure is on him, certainly. If he does make it to a playoff, are there going to be detractors that say, yeah, but you were supposed to, so what? There will be the yeah, but element to it, but it'll still be a really big deal. You know, he came in when he took the job initially, whatever it's been now, five years ago, as the Michigan man, as the one who's going to bring the program back to the prominence that Michigan fans expected. And, of course, he wasn't able to defeat Urban Meyer in any of the first four opportunities there. So the can-you-beat-urban ship has sailed, but the returning Michigan to national acclaim, to the national championship discussion, that ship hasn't sailed. They've been in the discussion a couple of different times, but they haven't actually been able to get over that Ohio State hump to really go where Michigan fans feel like they need them to go. So if he's able to get over that this season and defeat Ryan Dan Ohio State, you know, make the Big Ten championship game, win the Big Ten championship this year, and, you know, he actually a couple of times has, has already claimed that they were the co-Big Ten champs last year because they had the same 8-1 and one record <laughs> that the team in the Big Ten championship game had. But – that's not quite enough to really, since he didn't make the Big Ten championship game, truly claim that. If he can get there this year, if he can win that this year, then it will, you know, sort of cement his, I guess, legendary status that Michigan fans would love to. I mean, there's so much passion for Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor, and they want to put him on a pedestal. They want him to have legendary status, not only as a player, but as a coach now as well. And he's just a few times fallen short of that because of not getting over that Ohio State hump. If he can do that this year, then it is going to be a big deal. There are folks expecting it. There are some folks predicting it. But you also have a lot of folks like myself who recognize the talent that's there in Columbus. And in Ryan Day's first season, it's still going to be a big bear waiting on him. You know, Ohio State's going to be coming into Ann Arbor this season, so they're, they're going to have him at home. That's a big deal. It's a great home field advantage they got there with the big house. But it's still going to be a huge thing if he can finally – Slay the, the beast that is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Huge thing, huge game to look forward to come November. Agreed. Um, if we call Michigan the favorite in the Big Ten, who's the favorite in the Pac-12? You know what? As odd as it seems, I, I hate to agree with the assembled media, but the preseason pick coming out of the Pac-12 is the Utah Utes. And while they don't have the, the same personnel, they're not quite on the plateau of a couple of teams out of the Pac-12 North. Washington. I feel better overall about Washington's skill position, the explosiveness that Washington brings to the table, and certainly Oregon. There's not another team in the Pac-12 that just man for man I feel better about than the Oregon Ducks. The problem with Oregon is I need to see it. 
I need to see it week in and week out. Like Oregon might come out there next week and defeat Auburn in week one. And Auburn's going to be a competitive team in the SEC just like they are every year. So the Pac-12 as a conference really needs Oregon to show out against Bo Nix, a true freshman quarterback in the Auburn Tigers. If Oregon can win that game, then they're going to be the team folks are looking to to represent the Pac-12. I want to see what they do the next week, though, because I think they're going to beat Auburn that week. And then I'm actually going to be calling their games on the Pac-12 network in week two and week three. If they come out there and defeat Auburn and Justin Herbert, who would have been the number one quarterback taken in this past draft, who if he comes out there and is healthy and performs well, I believe will certainly be the number one quarterback off the board in next year's draft. So he's going to be right there in the thick of the Heisman discussion if he's able to defeat Auburn in week one. So I'm going to see what they do in week two and week three from there. They can't lay an egg like they did last season because last year Oregon was able to take down Washington at home, and then they faced Washington State. College game day was there. All the ESPN personalities were on site. They laid a huge egg against the Cougs. So that's what I need to see from Oregon this year, more consistency. And as consistent as any program in the Pac-12 in recent years has been Utah. Last season, the Utes lost their starting quarterback and their starting running back last season with a month to go, and they still won the South Division and made the Pac-12 championship game. That's the type of grit and consistency that, to me, has me feeling better about Utah than any other team in the Pac-12 because they've got all the talent in the world returning on an SEC caliber defense, and now you've got the experience on offense that should make them a far more combustible crew on that side of the ball. Mental note, get Anthony Heron back on after he does a couple of Herbert games. Um, (laughs) Because I'm a Herbert fan, but I'm an even bigger Tuatunga Valoa fan, so I think that Herbert will be the second quarterback taken off the board. He might be Ah. the second overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft. I think Tua's going to go number one. But let's get a couple of weeks under our belt, and then we'll go back to our respective corners and see where we go from there. Um, One other uh, Pac-12 quarterback question uh, Khalil Tate, who's going tonight, uh, Arizona helps to get uh, game zero, week zero, off uh, to a start tonight against Hawaii. Two years ago, he was the most prolific running quarterback in college football. Nobody could stop him. He's ripping off a buck fifty, two hundred. And then last year, he came back down to earth. Was it that he just caught everybody by surprise two years ago? The teams figured out how to defense him. And what do you think we're going to get from him out of his senior season? Will he play himself back into a guy who's got a consideration to uh, be able to be drafted in the NFL? Jody Mack, real friends at this point. I've never lied to you before. I'm not going to start tonight. One of the things that happened with Khalil Tate in Tucson last season was, you know, you get Kevin Sumlin coming in as a new head coach, his offensive coordinator, Noah Mazzoni, comes in, brings the system that they had so much success over working together for a number of years. Like you think to Texas A&M, Johnny Manziel wins the Heisman Trophy under Kevin Sumlin and Noah Mazzoni's watch. And they, I was really excited. The entire country was excited about what we saw from the caliber, caliber of athlete, the talent that Khalil Tate was, and you mentioned – his mobility, what he did, you know, historic numbers that he had as a rushing quarterback the season before under Rich Rodriguez. Someone comes in and we assume last season, all right, so now you're going to have the explosiveness of the legs of Khalil Tate now with perhaps more passing acumen that Norma Zoni and Kevin Sumlin's system will bring to the table. But there appeared to be a level of discomfort. There appeared to be a little bit of pushback, not from a passing standpoint, but suddenly Khalil Tate, wasn't as comfortable running the football. He wanted to refine himself as a passer from within the pocket, and he started to do that. Problem was, it wasn't until the month of November when Arizona was pretty much out 
of the division championship picture, out of the Pac-12 championship picture. So I feel like this season in year two, working with Sunlin, working with Mazzoni, there's going to be comfort from all of them. And, you know, he did, Khalil Tate, injure his ankle, you know, pretty badly early in the season last year as well. So the mobility that we saw from the previous year, once he finally got into the starting lineup, that ended up making a big difference as well because he wasn't even physically capable of running as much. But there just wasn't the same willingness to take off and threaten defenses with his legs as we saw the year before that. My impression is we've seen we've had an entire offseason to see how Kevin Sumlin and Norma Zona would be able to, to suit the system around the talents of Khalil Tate. My hope for him is that now he did refine his passing acumen last season. He did put up some better numbers in the month of November last year. That should be something that suits his comfort, not just as a passer, but in being able to have muscle memory as he leaves the pocket to throw while on the run. And if he is, as the pocket is being moved, he needs to be more willing to be the guy he was two years ago because it just forces the defense to play the entire Arizona offense in a different way. You've got to drop a safety to be near the line of scrimmage if he's going to take off a run. And that just opens up more and more throwing windows for Khalil Tate if he's willing to play the game in that manner. But I don't want folks to sleep on what's happening with Hawaii's program because Nick Rolovich has really allowed them to turn a corner in recent years. They're going to be a team that I believe competes in the Mountain West this season. So it, it shouldn't be just sort of a walkover game. I've called games over on the islands when you're in paradise for a couple of days and you're allowing your body clock to get accustomed to it. It's a little bit difficult sometimes to show up at kickoff and be really ready to go like you need to. And Hawaii is a talented squad. So I, I do think it's a game Arizona should win. I won't be shocked at all if Hawaii beats Arizona, but Arizona still goes and competes in the Pac-12 South this season. Could be a good one tonight. Uh, certainly be watching on CBS Sports Network. Um, two quickies, one college, one pro question for you before we let you go. College question, what will be the first university that retired coach – Urban Meyer is verbally linked to as his return to the sidelines this season. Um, as soon as USC wins, the, uh, lose the game this year, which, you know, I, I think USC is going to win a lot of games. They're going to be much better than they were last year, but they're not going to go undefeated. Whenever USC loses the game, even if it's in the Pac-12 championship game, even if it's in the <laughs> national championship game, when they lose the game, Urban Meyer's name is going to come up. All right, USC, LA, big-time program, get that. All right, uh, NFL, I was talking about before we punch you up first couple hours of the show, the National Football League's preseason has become, for me, borderline a joke. Uh, It's always been a reasonable facsimile, and guys are only going to play so much. But now guys aren't even suiting up. They're they're admitting, teams are admitting at a time, he's going to play zero downs in the preseason. Star receiver, star running back, star quarterback, uh, it just isn't what it used to be. As a former National Football League player and a guy who used to play because you had to fight your way to get uh, on teams and uh, preserve mm-hmm. jobs and the like, but you observed everyone else as well. Was this coming all along? Is it just an idea that had to have its time? Or has the NFL got just gone too crazy and drastic with overprotecting players and are foisting a inferior product on their fans who have to pay for this and watch this? We didn't realize it was coming, you know, 15, 20 years ago, let's say. But in retrospect, it was coming the whole time because the, the financial investment has, of course, been major for, for a number of decades that, that the National Football League, that the owners around the league make in the, the star players on the team, really most of the starters on the roster. But 
it's ballooned so much over the past decade that now the risk you take in, in putting those guys on the field for a lot of coaches, mainly the younger coaches, seems to be outweighing the reward they feel they get from putting the guys on the field. Like here in Chicago, I cover the Bears, Matt Nagy, second-year coach, younger guy, studied under Andy Reid. Andy Reid still plays his veteran players in the preseason. Maybe not a lot, but they get reps, whereas Matt Nagy, who studied under him, uses the same offensive system, all those types of things. And credit to Andy Reid for a big part of the reason why he was a successful head coach his first year out last year. Takes a completely different approach. This starting quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, got three reps. The first three reps the Bears had on offense in the preseason, Mitch Trubisky handed off three times, hasn't seen another snap since, will not see another snap throughout the entire preseason. He'll enter the opening game of the NFL on Thursday Night Football on NBC, taking on the Green Bay Packers, the historic rivalry in the National Football League, without having attempted a pass in a game since the Bears lost in the playoffs last year against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, that to me is not the recipe to have your offense as prepared as you would like it to be going into the opening game. But Matt Nagy feels like the risk of Mitch Trubisky getting hurt in the preseason is far outweighed by whatever percentage of preparedness would be gained by having him throw a few passes in the preseason. I do think preseason reps aid offenses, they aid defenses, they aid players in general. That's why you still see Bill Belichick giving Tom Brady some reps. Why, as you referenced before you came on with me, Drew Brees getting reps in the third preseason game. That dress rehearsal is still something that has you prepared for week one. You just see folks getting more and more risk averse. But my case is you only get 16 of those in the regular season. If you drop one or two early because you're not as ready, you really put yourself behind the eight ball as you're trying to win division titles, as you're trying to make playoff runs. So I do think there's a balance that needs to come into it. Right now it seems to be skewed old guard versus young guard with the approach that coaches take to the preseason games. Kind of a good news, bad news appearance here for you, Anthony. The good news is you were outstanding and your insight was great. Bad news is you went and teased my fans by saying you're going to see Justin Herbert hands-on the first couple of weeks of the season. So you're going to have to come back on. I'm thinking like Sunday, October 6th, after you do that Bears-Oakland game. We'll get you on later that night to talk both NFL and college football with you again. Count me in, Jody Mack. My pleasure. That's Anthony Heron, Sirius XM's College Football Channel, uh, Big Ten, Pac-12 Network, former NFL lineman here with us on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.